Welcome to Center Ice. Happy holidays, everybody. Hope it's been good for you under the circumstances. Uh, Matt and I are under lockdown here in Ontario, but all things considered, we're doing pretty well. Hockey is back on January 13th, so that's always good news. And we're bringing you a special preview of each new division for the upcoming season. So today, we're starting with the North Division or the Canadian Division. Yep, we are indeed. We, the North, as the uh, Raptors like to say, which is ironic because they are playing in Tampa Bay at least for part of the season, maybe the whole season, depending on how things go. But, you know, this is kind of the thing that all the uh, kids on the school ground, I remember back when I was in elementary school, Matt, wouldn't it be cool if the NHL just put all the Canadian teams together into one division? Well, now, probably for the only time in our lives, Mac, we're going to see this as a reality, and this is going to be quite something. And I'd say the North Division is probably the best division, or, you know, it's one arguably one of the best. I'd say it is the best, just based on the amount of raw talent in this division. But regardless, it's going to be a very, very tight race to the finish. And there's a few divisions with the NHL's plan here, Mac, where we can, and as we go on to them in future episodes, we, we can pretty much draw a dividing line between teams that are contenders and pretenders for playoff spots, but not in the Canadian division. All seven teams, I think you could make a solid case for making the playoffs this season. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's so exciting about it. Not only, like you said, are the Canadian teams playing each other, which they don't play each other enough in a regular schedule, but also they're all good teams. I mean, you don't have like a Detroit or or a team that's really bad in this division, even Ottawa, you know, you and I were kind of joking around about Ottawa potentially being ahead of Winnipeg, but now Ottawa has made a few more moves. And again, in my opinion, they look even better than Winnipeg right now. So yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And I think it will leave fans with kind of an appetite for more. Yeah, I agree. Uh now, I don't see this division happening long-term. Just it, it doesn't work out because of the travel, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It works because of the circumstances that the NHL finds themselves in. But to ask the players to do this every season would be quite tough. However, we will enjoy it while we have it. So let's jump in. We're going to pretty much preview every team and then give our thoughts on where we think each team is going to go and in any other notes of interest that we have. So let's jump into... What I would say is probably the best team in the North Division. And, you know, this is very subjective, Mac, of course, because every, as we just said, pretty much every team has a case to say they're the best. But just based off results, based off talent, based off some of the moves they made to get better over the offseason, the Leafs have to be the favorite to win the North, even if it's tough, eh? No, I agree. And, and, you know, when I, when I'm evaluating teams and what they brought in versus what they lost, the Leafs are one of those teams that they've really acquired a lot for not much cap space. And they've let go of a couple guys that they really didn't need. I mean, everybody knows they have young scoring forward. So they said bye-bye to Kasperi Kapanen and they traded him for something that Jim Rutherford shouldn't have traded. (laughs) And they managed to get a really good prospect in that trade. So that's a win. And you trade away Andreas Janssen. And let's be honest, Janssen had one good year with the team. And then Kyle Dubas 
locked him up to a contract that he really shouldn't have. And you traded him away. You got some salary cap relief. But again, you look at the guys they brought in, Matt. I mean, you brought TJ Brody in to play with Morgan Riley. He's a very good top four defenseman. Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton is, is a, you know, he can play third, fourth line. He's a good mentor for all the young guys. He's kind of replacing Patrick Marlowe in that regard. You brought in a defenseman from the KHL, uh, the Finnish Miko Lettinen. I think he's going to be a good player. And then there's some low-cost guys like Jimmy VC, Travis Boyd, Joey Anderson, and Zach Bogosian. It was kind of a quieter offseason, but I think a good kind of quiet for the Leafs. Yeah, I think you're right there. And let's not forget, they also brought back the veteran and Jason Spezza. And that, that was a move that I know Leaf fans were questioning early on, particularly before uh, Babcock got fired. But I think Sheldon Keefe used Jason Spezza almost perfectly for the rest of the season. And he didn't put up a lot of points, but he's a solid depth center now. And I think along with Joe Thornton, that's going to add a lot of stability in the bottom six for the Leafs that we haven't really seen these past few seasons. We know how good their top six is, but now they've shorn up the bottom six, particularly down this middle, which is an area that they've been lacking in the past few seasons. And I think they're very quiet moves, as you mentioned, but I think these are moves that are low risk, but can pay off huge dividends pretty quickly, especially with how deep some of the center cores are for some of these Canadian teams. And I I think the Leafs just, they, I think that, Kyle Dubas was very smart. He knew that changes need to be made after last season, but he knew he didn't need to make big moves. Like we've seen teams panic before Mac, many times and they make moves that quite often they'll regret. They try to go all in or they try to move some big pieces where Kyle Dubas was pretty smart in his approach. He said, okay, well, this is the cap space I've got. I don't have much to maneuver, but what's the best bargain I can get? What are the things that my team needs? And I'd say, one thing that they needed was more veteran leadership. We know that these Leafs, young Leafs are really skilled. They have so much raw talent. But having a guy like Joe Thornton and bringing back a guy like Jason Spezza, who can come in there, who've been through the war per se, who are good, solid players still, and can add something that's invaluable, which is leadership. And I think with Sheldon Keefe having another year of experience uh, behind the behind the bench as well. I think that's going to help a lot for the Leafs as well. Cause let's be honest for a lot of the season last year, Max Sheldon Keefe was still trying to find his way. He was thrust into the, probably the toughest head coaching job in the NHL. And I'd say he did fairly well, but you know, he struggled at times and now he has a season of experience and I think it's going to make a world of difference. I think that he's going to be a lot more calm, a lot more collective. And I think that we're going to see him use his bottom six better because that was one thing I noticed in the in the plans is that there were times where he didn't use the bottom six effectively and I think Cal Dupas has kind of signaled to him that you got to use your bottom six more if you want to win here mm. and then you also mentioned uh, TJ Brody I think that's probably their best move they made this offseason they got him on a good deal and that's a much better up defensive option than Cody Cece I'll leave it at that <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean just being able to replace Cody Cece and Tyson Berry with guys like Lettinen and Brody and, and uh, other guys is, is an automatic upgrade, let's be honest. Yeah, well, you know, I don't think the Leafs are going to win any offseason awards of 
you know, best off season on paper, but these are moves that are low risk, high reward. So along with the core they've already got, uh, and I'd say, especially with Tampa and Boston out of the way, which were Toronto's Achilles heels, they're gone. It, not saying Calgary, Montreal, Vancouver, Ottawa, et cetera, aren't going to give them a challenge because they will. But having your top two enemies, per se, mm. out of your way is going to make a world of difference, especially Boston. You know, Boston just gets to the beliefs psychologically in a way not many teams can. Yeah. And now you don't have to deal with them for an entire season, at least until a point in the playoffs, if it happens to go that way. But for now, the Leafs, they're a very good regular season team that remains to be seen in the playoffs. But a golden opportunity for the Leafs here, Mac, in a very unique division. And on my ranking, I have the Leafs at number one, and I'm pretty sure you do as well. Yeah, I do. And and like you said, I agree with everything you said. I mean, we're, we're pretty much on the same page with Toronto. Um, you know, this is a very good team. And you know, people still forget that they're still a very young team and they're still gaining experience and figuring out how to win, how to be a championship team. And, and that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, <laughs> look at the San Jose Sharks. They still haven't figured it out. <laughs> exactly. Turning a team that's a playoff contender and a Stanley Cup contender is not an easy thing to do. And the Leafs, I think they're smart. They're not rushing it. They're letting their players grow with the experience and i think that the leafs i don't have them pegged to win the stanley cup this year mac but i think they're going to make a, a not a big leap forward but a significant leap forward I'm, I'm thinking second round if i had to make a guess on playoff way too early playoff predictions right now but yeah yeah that's fair i think that this this is the step forward the leafs have been wanting to take the last few years and they haven't been able to do but it's going to be fun. Uh, I think the Leafs are going to be a fun team to watch. And I'm excited for them to play Montreal and Ottawa a lot because that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, let's let's move on to the next team, shall we? Yes, let's. So who do you have at second on your ranking? Because we can go one of two ways here. I think we this might be where we differ a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Vancouver Canucks. Okay. Second in the division. I think you can make a very good case for the Canucks. And I've got Calgary at second on my division. So do you want to go Vancouver or Calgary, Mac? Uh, let's talk about Calgary. Sure. They made a uh, lot of noise this offseason. Oh, yeah. they abs- Well, let's be honest. Both Is it Vancouver or Calgary? Because Calgary got a whole bunch of ex-Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. yeah but before I jump into the player moves they made this offseason, Mac, we, we just got to mention how – big of a win it was that Calgary went to the uh how would you describe it the uh retro look yeah yeah, the the classic look brilliant uh great move they look gorgeous it was something we've been waiting on for quite a while and the flames management finally pulled the trigger on that that's an automatic win this offseason if you ask me but let's get into some of the moves they made the biggest move of course is getting Jacob Markstrom. That's honestly a move that I didn't see coming. I didn't think Calgary would be able to swindle him over. We knew Calgary needed goaltending. We've been saying this for three years and they haven't really been able to solidify that goaltending. And now they have. And I think that's probably the biggest 
and best move they've made this offseason. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, and plus I, I just think the rest of the moves they made, like, for example, bringing Chris Tanev in. And Chris Tanev is not a guy that will really wow you with his overall abilities, but he's a guy that you really want for kind of your long playoff runs. He's kind of a heart and soul defensive specialist he blocks a lot of shots he plays on the penalty kill he's got a good defensive stick he can hit those are the kind of guys you want for a team that's really uh trying to you know take the next step and potentially win a stanley cup so chris tanev will really help uh, alleviate the loss of a tj brody who's been there for a while um plus he got you know some solid signings in there like josh levo joachim nordstrom Dominic Simone and uh, Nikita Nesterov. And, you know, you look at what they lost. Okay, you lost Cam Talbot to Minnesota. But again, you brought in Jacob Markstrom. You lost TJ Brody, but like I said, you brought in Tanev. And you lost Travis Hamanick, who, let's be honest, is kind of uh, declining at a sharp yeah, rate. It's right not now. a huge loss. Right. And so what Calgary basically did is they went in and said, okay, here's who we lost. And we're going to replace them with someone who's equal or potentially better. And I think the, well, the reason I have Calgary ahead of Vancouver, Mac, and trust me, I like Vancouver. I really like the direction we're heading and we'll get on Vancouver shortly, but I like the direct, I like Calgary over Vancouver just because of experience. And Calgary is not as young as they used to be. Mm-hmm. They, their core has another year of experience and if it was playoffs, Mac, if we were talking, if we were doing a playoff preview right now, I wouldn't be as high on Calgary. But you have to remember, Calgary has been a successful regular season team for the last four, five years, even with their lackluster goaltending at time. And Goudreau and Monaghan, I'm confident they will perform in the regular season. The playoffs are a different animal, of course. You've got Matthew Kachuk back again. Mangiapani, Backlund, the top six is still good. The bottom six is, I'd say, about the same as it was last year. It, it was okay last year, but there's always the potential for that bottom six to step up, as we've seen in the past. And the big X factor for Mac is Markstrom. And, of course, Vancouver's got Demko, and we'll get into that. But I really like Jacob Markstrom, as you know. And I think I think that's such a big win for Calgary because now they've got a goaltender that will allow them to have games where Monahan and Goudreau may not be at their best. Where in past years, if those two guys weren't going and the top six weren't going, well, it was going to be a rough night for Calgary. Where now they have a little more flexibility, they have a little more experience, and all. I also got to say they match up well against a lot of the Eastern Canadian teams. Toronto will give them some difficulties and so will the other Eastern Canadian teams, but Calgary and Ottawa have matched up well in the past. Calgary and Ottawa have a fairly even record, but I think Calgary can get some good points against Ottawa. Same with Montreal, same with Toronto. And then they match up well against the Jets. They play well against the Oilers. These are teams that Calgary, Calgary's pretty good historically against. Canadian team. So that's got to play into it as well. And I think that Calgary just has a slight edge over Vancouver, but I will concede, Mac, that I would not be surprised to see Vancouver finish second because they're just making massive leaps forward. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I guess it, uh, 
you know, I want to wait and see what these acquisitions bring Calgary. You know, we'll see if they work out. To me, they they are really good acquisitions. But again, it's kind of a sometimes players have a hard time when they first start with an organization. I mean, we'll see. And it is kind of a season like no other. But I, I absolutely have Calgary finishing top three or top four in the division. And, and I'm excited to watch them in their new look. Oh, for sure. That's going to be – at the very least, we're going to see some nice new jerseys in this Canadian division. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into Vancouver. You have them in second. And what is your take on the Canucks, Mac? I just think they're they're a really good team with, with a lot of really great young talent. And they have – a very good forward group, you know, a guy like JT Miller, you know, not a guy that's talked about a lot, but he's really a great play driver, heart and soul type guy. You know, you have Elias Pedersen, you have Bo Horvat, and, and some people may look at last season for Vancouver and say it was a surprise, but, you know, for me, that's kind of what I expected this team to be doing right now. And I think that's only going to give them more confidence going into next year and and let's be honest yeah the loss hurts of Markstrom and and Tanev and some other guys but really you brought in Nate Schmidt for really nothing because the Golden Knights needed room to sign Petrangelo Nate Schmidt is a guy who can play with Quinn Hughes or he can play on your second pair and he's a capable top four defenseman so again it's it's not a huge loss to lose Tanev in that regard and Braden Holtby was playing in a system that was anything but defensive in Washington. And Braden Holtby has been very good over the course of his career. And I don't think he's going to be the starter. I think you're going to have a tandem situation with him and Demko. And I think it could be a pretty good tandem. So I just, there's not a whole lot not to like with Vancouver. Yeah. You raised some great points there. I think, Vancouver, it's hard to go against them. You and I have been talking about how Vancouver's been building to something the past few years, and we're starting to see the dividends pay off here. And I think, as I mentioned, you can make a very good case for Vancouver to get second, maybe even first, depending on how things go mm-hmm. injury-wise and just how the systems work out. You made a great point on Nate Schmidt. That was a great move by Benning, taking advantage of a bad cap situation in Vegas where they, they wanted Petrangelo but they had to move someone for nothing and they had to move him quickly. So Schmidt's a great pickup there. But Thatcher Demko, another year of experience. When Markstrom was out with injury during the uh, playoffs last year, he stepped up when he needed to. And then you just have another year of experience for your core that's still young but continuing to grow. And uh, I admit it's tough to bet against these Vancouver Canucks. At the very least, we're going to have a lot of fun watching them this year. They're going to be a fast, young, high-scoring team. But don't count out their physicality as well, Mac. They can go toe-to-toe with any of these teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they're, they're, plus, if you're just kind of a casual hockey fan, I guarantee you they are a hell of an entertaining team to watch. They're fast. They're skilled. They're physical. They have very good goaltending. And, I mean, I could watch Elias Pettersson stick handle the puck and make plays all day the kid is unbelievably good oh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun season for the vancouver canucks no matter which division they ended up playing in so i'm excited to see what happens and then let's move on down the list here mac who do you have in your third spot because i had calgary second vancouver third i went with the montreal 
habitants. All right. Well, Montreal. Montreal is in an interesting situation. And I'd say they're in a better situation. The, the rebuild, I'd say, is still somewhat ongoing, but it's coming to an end. The prospects are starting to get reach the show, and Bergerman's got to be pretty happy about that, hey? Yeah, absolutely. They've done an amazing job of drafting and developing young players, and there's still more on the way. So I think Mark Bergevin decided, okay, our scouts have built us enough of a young talent pool that I can start being a little more aggressive and improving this team right now with some veterans. And, and they've gone out and done that. Yeah, you traded away Max Domi and you let go of Keith Kincaid, but you look at what they brought in. I mean, Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, Jake Allen, Joel Edmondson, Corey Perry, you just got on a, I think it was 750000 It was league minimum. That's great. I mean, Corey Perry is going to be a guy yeah. that is is very difficult to play against in the playoffs. And also and especially when you're playing all these teams that are very physical. Yeah, and also your top prospect Alex Romanov. I mean, he's a hell of a dynamic defenseman. I'm excited to watch him play. He is making great strides. So I just I, I'm really impressed with with what Bergevin has done. Um I'm not super sold on the Josh Anderson move, but other than that, I like everything he did here. The one move I need to mention, Mac, because I think it's a great move, is bringing in Jake Allen for practically nothing. That was an underrated move by Bergerman. I think it will pay dividends very quickly with all the back-to-backs we're going to see in this condensed season. It will give Carey Price a lot of flexibility that he hasn't really had these past two years. And as you and I saw during... The bubble when Carey Price was well rested and healthy, he wasn't quite as good as he was back in his prime, but there were some real shades of vintage Carey Price there. And if Claude Julian doesn't have to play him as much as he used to, if he can get Allen and Price going in a tandem this season, that will be huge for the Montreal Canadiens backstop. And it's a low risk move, but very high rewards for Bergevin. I think Montreal, I'm not 100% sold on them making the playoffs like the first three teams, Mac, but Montreal with the moves they made, bring in all this offensive firepower plus the players they already have in their core, they make a very good argument to say, we're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to make it hard. to. Pl- we're going to be a hard team to play against. We're going to be a physical team and we're going to have our great goaltending back again. So M- Montreal, I have them in my fourth spot, but just like all these other teams, you can make a case to say they're going to be higher up because the, the sky's the limit for Montreal this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you mentioned about Jake Allen, that stability and goal, the fact that you can let Carey Price play not that many games when he's been overplayed really the last three or four seasons is huge. And yeah, they're, Again, they're, they're not a team that's going to struggle to score, score goals anymore. So, yeah, Montreal is definitely on their way up. All right. Let's move on to the other Alberta team. Let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Now, I have the Edmonton Oilers outside of the playoff picture this year. I don't know about you, but when I look at Edmonton, they didn't really do a whole lot this offseason that really said made me think, wow, they're going to be a better team. I thought their loss against the Chicago Blackhawks 
in the early stages of the play-ins last year was going to be a bit of a wake-up call for Ken Holland showing the needs that his team had. Like, yeah, you've got Dreisaitl. Yeah, you've got McDavid. But where's the rest of the team, right? Mm. Like, I'd say after your top line, top two lines, it really is a big drop-off. And that's been a problem for the Oilers the past few seasons. And, yeah, you brought in Griffin and Kyle Turris. I, I like the Kyle Turris move, Mac. I think it's one that can that could really pay off. We know the type of player Kyle Turris can be, and he never really f- fit in in Nashville, per se. I think mm. they were trying to use him in a, in a role that wasn't suited for him. And I think that having Kyle Turris as a depth center can really help the Oilers. But other than that, the Oilers didn't do much to improve. In yeah, it's hard to count them out because they have McDavid and Drysaitel together. But just based on this is more of a case, in my opinion, Mac, of all the other teams around them have gotten better, with the exception of the Jets, I'd argue. Right. And the Oilers have just kind of stood pat when they should have been making a few moves. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And like you said, they've really only made a few moves. You brought in Kyle Turris to play kind of third, fourth line center. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi has agreed to sign with the Oilers, but he hasn't proven anything at the NHL level yet. It remains to be seen what kind of player he is. And you brought in Tyson Berry, who's an offense-only defenseman that cannot play defense to save his life. So that doesn't help. And the other thing that is an issue for the Oilers is their best defenseman, um, Oscar Clefbaum, is going to be out for the entire season. So now you're going to be playing guys like Tyson Berry, Adam Larson, and Darnell Nurse, top pairing minutes, which they aren't capable of playing. So it's going to be tough this year for Edmonton, especially with those losses. But like you said, they, they didn't really upgrade the goaltending. Um, you know, their goaltending is okay. It's kind of average, I would say. They have good nights and, and bad nights. But, yeah, I just – I don't like what they did at all. And, you know, Ken Holland, I've said this before and I'll say it again, I don't think he's the greatest general manager. I, I You know, I think there were times when he was with Detroit. Obviously, those Stanley Cups speaks for themselves. But his work of late, kind of the last five years or so, is, is not that great. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Ken Holland, sir, definitely a Hall of Famer, well-deserved. He, he worked hard to win all those Stanley Cups. But, you know, he really hasn't done much since he's assumed the role of GM in Edmonton. Certainly a, a big upgrade over Shirelli. You and I aren't going to argue that one. But, <laughs> you know, you say, what has Ken Holland done to really improve this team since he became GM? And he hasn't done much. And... I think for Edmonton to make that next step, they're going to need to be a little more aggressive. But like the provincial rival, for example, you can't just stay pat while everyone else is making moves. And that's basically what Edmonton did. And Edmonton, it's just, it's set, they're such a hit or miss team, Mac. When they're, when McDavid and Dreisaitl are really pushing forward, everyone else on the team, the Oilers can be a really hard team to play against. But when everyone, when one of those two guys has a bit of an off night, it's a long night for the Oilers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my other concern is, you know, last year during the regular season, they just turned into this completely different team that played as a team. They had a top penalty kill. 
They had a top power play. And then when the playoffs started in Chicago, it's like they forgot what kind of team they were or how much work they put in. And they just completely mailed in that series against the Chicago Blackhawks and ultimately lost. So, so that's a concern as well. Um, yeah. All right. Well, who do you want to talk about next, Mac? Where we got a couple more teams. Which one are you more interested in? Well, we already talked about Calgary. Um, you know, my standings are Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Calgary, Edmonton. So let's talk about your favorite team, shall we? The Ottawa they, Senators. Yes. Uh, the Sens, you know, they had a really good offseason. This is probably the most active offseason I've seen from the Senators. And uh, let me think here for a moment. Ever. Honestly. Mm. Mm. Like, the Sens never have really been known for active off-seasons, per se. They make some really good depth signings, like bringing in, you know, Clark MacArthur and guys like that in the past. But when was the last time you, we could go out there and say the Sens had a really good off-season where they were aggressive and they made, for the most part, good moves? And some of these moves happened fairly recently. And before we get into the recent moves, we got to talk about the draft here, Mac, especially with the World Juniors currently going on. We haven't seen too much of Sanderson, but how about Tim Stutzla? He is really carrying this German team on his back right now, and he had a great game last night. I believe he had two goals and an assist in a win over Slovakia, and he's basically just pushed his team into the quarter round off that performance alone. If you're an Ottawa fan or just a fan of good prospects, Tim, watch some of Tim Stutzla's highlights because his skating and his hockey IQ is just incredible. And it, the Kim, between him and Byfield, there's going to be a very, uh, this is going to be something that's going to be debated for a long time, Mac, because both of them are just so good. But I'm very glad that Pierre Dorian made the right call mm. at third and took Tim Stutzla. Oh, yeah. I mean, the kid is just very impressive. You know, the way he carries himself, the way he speaks, he's, he's clearly got like leadership qualities. And you mentioned the skills and the hockey IQ, hockey sense. He's the whole package. You know, if you want a comparison, I don't like doing comparisons, a lot, do but, but think kind of like a Matthew Barzell type. And that is that's going to be very exciting for Senators fans. Well, yeah, for sure. And Let's, let's touch on the most recent move here, Mac. Of course, there was the Stepan deal about 24... I don't even know if it was 24 hours before the uh, trade with the Lightning, but we'll touch on that one first. The uh, Senators got Derek Stepan for a second rounder, and I'd say there were some criticisms among Sam's land, Mac. I don't know how, how the perception was outside of the Senators' sphere. Mm. It was kind of a mixed deal. I, I think it's an okay deal. You, you don't really give up much to get him. And yeah. he's the type of guy that could pay off quite a bit. But it's also the type of move that you make where if he puts up a few points at trade down line, you can flip him and get some picks back in return if things go well. Yeah, I, I don't mind the move as well because I, I guess it, if it was a team that uh, didn't have a lot of draft capital and they were giving away a second round pick. I think it would have been a little more criticized, but for me, I look at a move like this and I look at the senators uh, next year, they already have two second round picks 
And the year after, they already have two second-round picks. So they could afford to give one away and bring in a good player like Derek Stepan, who, again, he just kind of solidifies their forward group a little more. He's a good leader. He's been around. um, And I think the Coyotes team will miss him, but he'll be happy to be in a better situation in Ottawa. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, of course, the big move happening just fairly recently, Matt, the Sens make a a really good move in ta- with Tampa, in my opinion, a move where they can, they basically went to Tampa and said, look, we know you guys need cap space to sign some of your players. So we're going to, we're willing to make a move with you guys, but at a price. So here's a quick rundown of the trade. The Tampa Bay lightning will be sending Brayden Coburn and Cedric Paquette, as well as a 2022 second round pick to the senators in exchange for Marion Gabrick and Anders Nielsen. Now, Anders Nielsen and Marion Gabrick both were on LTIR in Ottawa, yeah. and, is a, and they will be moved pretty much immediately to LTIR in mm-hmm. Tampa. So this was a cap-saving move for the Lightning. Yeah. But for the Senators, I'd say this – remember, Mac, I think it was back in October, I said the Senators need to make moves to take advantage of the fact that they have a ridiculous amount of cap space in a time when a lot of teams don't. And Pierre Dorian finally – finally took my word on it per se and pulled the trigger. What are your thoughts on this trade? Cause I really like it. Yeah. Again, like, like you said, you just picked up some quality players for basically not much. And uh, the Sens are still, they still have room. They have enough room to sign a guy like Kachuk. Um, when, as soon as he's, they're able to, I guess, as soon as he's willing and again, you just there's even more moves to talk about here. We haven't even mentioned Evgeny Dadnov, who's just a really quality playmaker that isn't talked about a lot. You know, you got a guy like Austin Watson, who's kind of a third, fourth line energy guy. He hits a lot of people. People are not going to like playing against him. <laughs> yeah, Matt Murray, who sh- I think will bounce back in a in a better situation on a better team here in Ottawa, leaving a Pittsburgh team that's really declining a lot every year you know Alex Kalchenyak and you also got Eric Goodbranson so I mean and you really look at what they lost okay they lost Anthony Duclair not a big deal you lost Bobby Ryan not a big deal and you lost Ron Hainsey so you look at what they brought in and what they you know when you lost Craig Anderson too but yeah once again not a big deal it's just – it's a quality offseason for the Sens. And, uh, yeah, I have them finishing ahead of Winnipeg in this division. It's funny. I, I told you this before we came on the air, but before we – before a couple of days ago, I actually had Winnipeg ahead of Ottawa. But after the moves that Pierre Dorian's made this past week and just doing some more soul-searching and getting over my pessimism about <laughs> the last couple of years of the Senators mm. – I tend to agree with you. The Suns have made some some big moves, some necessary moves, and we ha- we haven't even mentioned the fact that guys like Josh Norris and Batherson and and I'm drawing a blank, but there's just so many <laughs> Mac that yeah, the there's, prospects... there's Alex Formanton, yeah. there's there's uh, those Finnish kids they have. They're just loaded. Yeah, Thompson. Yeah, you got Brandstrom. This is a team. similar to Montreal in a way, man, where the prospects are starting to to pay off and the patience is there. And now, just like Bergevin, Dorian's got 
some flexibility to go out there and get some necessary veterans, but still still have some room to let guys like Norris and Branstrom and Batherson play. I think what you're going to see with the Senators this season is a mix of these games we're going to play some veterans and these games we're going to play more of the young kids. And I think the mix of veterans and, and rookies with the Sens, if it goes right, is going to be very good. The Sens won't make the playoffs this year. I'm pretty confident in saying that. But just like Vancouver and Montreal, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. I think we're going to see guys like Brady Kachuk make massive strides. Mm. We haven't seen his coming out party yet. No, you're right. Yeah. And part of that's been just because he hasn't had any good line mates to play with. Oh, that, so that's, a, that's a big reason for sure. <laughs> and now you just, I, I don't use daily face-off to project my lines, but I just pulled up what they project the lines to be. They think that Brady Kachuk be on a line with Norris and Dadnoff, and I could absolutely see that. Yeah. That would be quite something. I, I'm down for that. So those are two quality line mates right there. And I think Brady Kachuk's going to get a larger role too, as well as Thomas Shabbat. I think Shabbat's going to benefit a lot from having better defenders behind him. Because yeah. what I so just wrap on Ottawa here, Matt, from what I saw with Shabbat last season, you remember what it was like watching the Senators back when it was basically Eric Carlson and then yeah, Dion Phaneuf and Cody Cece. <laughs> mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. That's basically what it was like watching Thomas Shabbat last year. Right. He had Zaitsev step up now and again, but really it was the Thomas Shabbat show. And he he was given way too much ice time and he had too much of a responsibility. Where now I think with some reinforcements on defense, I think he'll be able to play that two-way role better. And Ottawa just overall is going to be a better team to watch this year. I will say the optimism in Ottawa isn't quite as high as you'd think it would be, Mac, but it's getting up there. People are excited. It's the first time in a while I've seen people genuinely excited for the Senators season. All right. So let's wrap. Last team in the division, the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. Now, the the Jets, um, we know we have a few Jet fan listeners out there, and it may not be a popular opinion. But really, when you look at what the Jets did this offseason – it was all subtractions and no additions. You, you've still got your forward core, but the same problems that the Jets faced last season still persist here. Kevin Sheveldayoff did not fix them. And I think the Jets are going to hurt again this year. Yeah, it's just, they just don't have enough. And, and I talked about this with you before. Uh, they're just kind of an incomplete team. They've got a really good forward group. And yeah, you brought in Paul Stastny, and that helps that forward group. But really, if you look on defense, you only really have Dylan DeMello, Josh Morrissey, and Neil Pionk. And the rest of the guys, they just, you know, they're solid. They're kind of more third-pairing defenders. But I think you're just going to struggle to keep the puck out of your net. And when you play teams like Toronto and Calgary and Vancouver – I don't think you're going to win those games because those teams have too much firepower. They're better on defense and they just, they play a better overall game. So in my opinion, this is kind of a gut check for the jets. If this group is not getting it done and they miss the playoffs this year, I think you have to make some changes and that's okay. Sometimes things don't go according to plan. We've seen that with teams before. So 
yeah, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I'm down on the Jets, and, and I love Connor Hellbuck. I think he's one of the best goalies in the league. But he can't do this thing himself, Matt. No, of course not. We saw what happened with Montreal for a few years when they essentially left Carey Price out the dry night in and night out. It didn't go well. I fear they're going to use Connor Hellebuck way more than they should because really he doesn't have too much of a backup option. He has what, Brossois? And, and nothing against Brossois, but you know, you can't play that as a tandem. And I think tandems, this is, we've been saying it for a while, Mac, but I really think with the condensed schedule, all the back to backs, I think this could be the year we really start to see the tandem come into fruition. Where, and I think coaches and GMs are finally realizing that the days of a starter playing 60, 70 games in some cases, it's no longer a thing. It, it just can't be a thing anymore. And I fear Connor Hellebuck may be hung out to dry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I think the Jets just, first of all, the thing with the Jets is they don't have a lot of cap space to play with. So it's tough. It's really tough to be able to make moves. I mean, right now they have, they have none. So, You've locked up your entire forward core and you have some good defenders. You know, Josh Morrissey's a capable defender and Neil Pionk, even though you lost Jacob Trouba, had an excellent year last year. You know, Dylan DeMello is a good defenseman. But then what are you left with? You're left with Nathan Bolia, Derek Forbort, Lucas Pisa, and Tucker Pullman. It's just not good enough. Yeah, I would agree. The, the Jets just aren't good enough. And I think there'll be some moves coming down the pipeline that will make the Jets better, but just based off the divisional situation they're in this year, the sprint they're going to have to make, and the fact that really every other team around them got better or stayed pat, I think speaks volumes. Yeah, absolutely. So that that is the North Division, and, and we're going to do three more division previews. Um, before the season starts. So up next, I believe we have the West Division. Yep, we do. So that's going to be a fun one to talk about. We got thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, This was was fun as always. We're trying to keep things uh, shorter, concise. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up, Matt? Uh, I will say, I will wrap by saying this. The North Division... I think we're only ever going to see it once in our lifetime. So even if you're an American and you, you hardly ever watch Canadian teams, I highly recommend tuning in for a couple games because it's such a unique thing and enjoy it while it's here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're back. Uh, glad to be. Uh, once again, happy holidays. Hope you're safe. Hope you're doing well. You know where to find us. We're on every podcast platform. Just look for the Center Ice logo. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to the next one.